And then I kind of joked and I go, I think we'll be lucky to raise $800. You know? So that, that story has become a little bit of myth over the years. I don't think I genuinely believe we'd only raise $800. But I, I, I really was like, what, what lends us to believe that we're just going to come out of the gate like this and generate seven figures? Every business is unique. But the ups and downs we experience as we launch and run our businesses are pretty similar. We're Harmon Brothers, the team behind Pooping Unicorns and other weird but successful video ads you've probably seen. We help businesses grow through unforgettable video marketing, and we're no stranger to tricky situations. In fact, we embrace them. The goal of this podcast is to show how your crappy circumstances could be the golden opportunity that leads to your next success. You're listening to Poop to Gold. Welcome back. We are here today with a very special guest. I have the creator of The Chosen, Dallas Jenkins, here with me. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And this is the first time I've ever done any kind of appearance where the other person is wearing Chosen gear. And not you. And not me. So you're wearing a Chosen shirt, one of our signature phrases. I appreciate that. I didn't tell you to do that, right? Like you it, just it, showed up. It's true. I have to admit, I am a super fan. This is a little bit of insider ball here that we're, uh, we're good playing. I'm a co-founder of Angel Studios, no longer involved on a day-to-day basis. And I am one of the one of your original investors in The yes, Chosen. Yes, you are an investor. Your wife has been an extra. That's correct. I don't know. Has she shown up on camera yet? Like, yes. You've seen her? Yeah. 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 She's, uh, she was in season two, episode four by the Pool of Bethesda. She had to jump in the cold water she several times. She was one times. of the jumpers. Yep. Yes. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I do remember that now. And in fact, she had originally you know, put her name out there to be an extra and she got turned down because her her hair is very blonde. I was say, a little too white, a little too yeah. too Utah. Yep, yep, not quite. A, doesn't have that Middle Eastern look. Yeah. And so she came home and she was like, "Benton, you got to pull some strings here. Like, get me on. You know, get me on. I got to be an extra." And I didn't want to be, you know, that guy. That guy also. If that guy is doing something for his wife, it's a little different. It's a little, a little bit more, a little, little better. It, yeah, it, doing it, it for your wife than for you. It, it, in fact, it, it would have been totally justifiable. But in, instead, I, I just told her that if you know she wanted to ask Dallas, that she was welcome to, and so she that's did. That's right. That's right. She, you, that's right. She emailed me. Yeah, she reached out directly to you and said, "Hey, can I be an extra?" And I went to you and I go, "Why the heck did you allow your wife to email me? <laughs> Whose idea was that?" No. Yeah, she did great. Yeah, so I, I'm excited about, about this interview. We're actually filming here in Park City, Utah. We are currently at a writing retreat where we are preparing for a marketing campaign uh, produced by Harmon Brothers for The Chosen. You know, you guys have already reached millions and millions of people, but that's just the beginning. Yeah. We've got to reach millions more. Yes. So we're right in the middle of that super fun process, but we're taking a break because I want to dive in with Dallas and talk a little bit about the journey that The Chosen has gone, where like all startups, you guys started out in relative obscurity, where- Not relative. Obscurity, period, <laughs> right? Hard stop. Yes. And, and I wouldn't go so far as to say that you guys have become a household brand. Yeah, in certain, in certain corners, we are the biggest brand in, out yep. there. In other corners, no one's ever even heard of us. So yeah. if household means, if you were out in the street and ask people, have you heard of The Chosen? Most of them say, yes, that's not the case currently. And, and I, I think that's, that's totally fine and appropriate given that, what is this, year three, four? What? Year three. So, so Year three of this project. Household brands generally take decades to yeah. build. You know, when we think of household brands, we're talking about a Nike or an Apple or, or something like that. But I would argue you guys are well on your way. You're, you're tracking in that direction. We'll, yeah, we'll see. We don't have projections. I'm not someone, in fact, we, we can talk about this later if you want, but I have a very strong philosophy for this particular project that we don't have measurable goals. And that doesn't, that's not something you typically teach on a podcast or on a business workshop. Mm-hmm. And, and I, think it's, I think it's served us quite well. Um, if we end up becoming a household brand, that'd be lovely, but it's not our pursuit. So when, even when you say something like, you're on your way, we, my response is maybe, maybe not. We don't, that's not our motivation. What about the reach a billion people? Yeah. 
So that's the one piece that seems to contradict what we're saying. My partner, Daryl Eves, who you know, who's built brands for years, when I used to say things like, I'm, I'm trying to reach people for the authentic Jesus, and we started getting into every country in the world, and, and just Daryl just felt strongly, it's like, we want to reach a billion people. Mm -hmm. And so the audience really locked on to that. And I think that number in Daryl's mind is more literal. For me, it's a representation of we want to reach all the corners of the earth. We want to reach as many languages as possible. And, and on the app, you'll see a counter that shows the views, not necessarily the viewers. It's actually become almost impossible to know how many viewers right. we have because so many people watch it in groups. People watch it on things, Various on devices that we can't, we, where we can't measure it. But you know, we, we have a pretty good uh, handle on the views, how many times each episode has been viewed. And it's you know well over 300 million at this point. And we put that in the app because, again, the audience really loves seeing the counter go up. They love, they love being able to see that it represents mass. It represents, mm -hmm. but, but the number itself, like in our offices, we're not saying, all right, we just reached our 40th million person, you know, 20 more to get to 60 and 60 more to get to 100. I mean, it's, we just don't think that way. So that, that really is, it's an authentic representation of where our heart is, is that we, we want to reach the masses. But it's not, it doesn't reflect what our motivation for doing this is, which our motivation for doing it is to honor God and to make the best show possible. And God will handle the, the, the numbers. You know, I mean, and you've heard me say this before, it's not my job to feed the 5,000, it's only to provide the loaves and fish. And that's rooted in that famous story in the Gospels, yep. where Jesus took five loaves and two fish and, and multiplied it to feed 5,000 people. You bring your talents to the we table. We bring our five loaves and two fish, and we make them as good as possible. And we bake really good bread, and we make really good fish, at least we hope, we try. And then we, when God deems them worthy of acceptance, the transaction's over. And the 5,000 that he feeds, or even that billion that we're trying to reach, is, is up to him. But we do like to, to, to show what's happening. We like to show the progress towards it because it, it, it excites our fans knowing that what they're doing by contributing to the show or by spreading the word is making is making an impact. I love it. Your your personal story is pretty well documented and it's out there. So for our listeners, if you don't know Dallas's personal study, we'll put in the or personal story, we will put in the show notes some links to yeah, that. And if you look up on YouTube Dallas Jenkins testimony or Dallas Jenkins, you know, story of the chosen, it's easy to find of my how I was, you know, reached total failure yep. and then the chosen kind of birthed out of that. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, if you don't know Dallas, start there. It's well enough documented that I'm not going to spend this interview diving into that. I'm more interested today in this journey from obscurity to where you're at today and what that looked like and what it felt like. Talk to us a little bit about the very, very early days of this when no one knew what it was, no one trusted it yet as a high quality show that was worthy of their time. In, in fact, initially, you didn't even have investors for yeah. it. So when I made a short film for my church's Christmas Eve service in Illinois, I filmed it on my friend's farm 20 minutes from my house, and it was only intended for our Christmas Eve service. That was filmed in um, June or July of 2017. And then I finished it. We filmed it in the summer, even though it was for Christmas, because the weather, you know, obviously it gets so snowy in Chicago. So we, uh, I finished it, and it just felt really good. And I felt like I was in my wheelhouse. I felt like the story worked. I mean, I felt moved when I would watch it myself. People I'd show it to were like, my goodness, this is wonderful, you know. And I showed it to a friend of mine named Matthew Ferrazzi, who is a marketing guy and who... Will... He happens to be our publicist. Yeah, yeah, so he works with you guys a lot, but he works. He worked with Angel Studios. He doesn't... Uh, I, don't, I don't know where he's at at this moment, but he... He said, there's, this, there's these brothers that I know who have this streaming company that started, and they're looking for original content. Can I show this to them? Because I had mentioned to him, because he was like, this is, he, he was freaking out about it. And I go, well, I actually, while I was making it, I got this idea for a multi-season show about Jesus. You know, there's been movies, there's been miniseries, but there's never been a multi-season show where you get the time to, div to dive into the backstories of the, of the stories we know so well, and the cultural context, and the historical context, and the biblical context even. And we were able to do that in this 20-minute short film just about the birth of Christ. So he says, I want to tell them about your idea. And Jeffrey watched the short film, had a profound experience, like 
to his credit, he saw the moment he watched it, he saw so much of what's happened in the last few years. Yep, this is Jeffrey Harmon. Yeah, yeah. And then he showed it to his brother, Neil, who was skeptical like 98% of our audiences. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say 98% of our audience comes into the show re reluctant. Yep. And that was Neil. And, uh, and then Neil watched it and had a profound experience. So when they came to me and said, we want to do your show, I got really excited. And then they said, we want to raise the money through crowdfunding. And I got really depressed because I'm like, crowdfunding doesn't work. You're thinking like a Kickstarter or something. Well, and, and when you're on Facebook and you see someone you know, trying to raise $200 for some initiative or some, you know, charity or birthday gift or something. And that bar never quite, get to, never quite gets to the end of the $200. It, and it, I'm like, for, for, for a show like this to work, for season one to be financed and to be effective, at the minimum, I would need half a million an episode. And eight episodes, $4 million. Yeah. That's a minimum. I did the short film for far less than that, but that was 20 minutes was for my church. If we're going to be taken seriously, I can do a lot with half a million an episode, but that's a minimum. And, that, and that's... Yeah, that's still a that's super still sparse a budget. minuscule for a period piece. I mean, yeah. you kidding me? We'd be, we'd be filming on, on, my, on friends' farms. Yeah, calling you know? in favors left yeah, yeah. and right. It's... And I said, so I could do it, and the, but, but you know, let's not get crazy here. And he said, we, we think we should put the short film out on social media. Which again is weird. A twenty-minute film watched on Facebook and YouTube is not common. Facebook, especially. And at the end of it, you come on and do a pitch to invest. So it's not donations; it's investments. And I thought that would be strange because the investment process was clunky. I mean, it's. I remember when people were investing in the show. We'll, we'll skip ahead for a second. It was like five stages to do it. You had to read a thing. You had to give your initials. You had to prove something. You had to fill out this information. I'm like, by by the time it's time to invest, you've I mean, how many times have you spent, have you gone through five levels just to buy something online? I know, right? And I think it even involved like putting your routing number and checking account so it can do Well, for a, a while, they didn't even take credit cards because uh, credit cards don't typically, credit card companies don't typically allow investments. Right. Especially in film. <laughs> Huge friction. Yeah, because people end up regretting it. They try to stop yeah. the payment, you know. So anyway, yeah, it was a lot of barrier to entry. And the minimum that they wanted to offer for the investment was $100. Minimum. So some... You know, poor mom in Dubuque who loves the show, but she's not going to put a hundred bucks up. I mean, where's she going to do that? You know, so all of their ideas made no sense to me. By the way, behind the scenes, I remember Jeff brought the shepherd to me and showed it to me. He said, you've got to see this. This is going to be the next show on Angel Studios. And I remember the surety with which he said that. I remember kind of being like, oh, okay, sure. you know, he must be seeing something. Right. And I've kind of learned to trust his, right. his instinct when he kind of has this like sixth sense that mm -hmm. says, hey, this is something. Right. I try to like perk up and pay attention because oftentimes he's right. Not always, but oftentimes he is. And so I watched The Shepherd and then I took it home and my wife watched The Shepherd and, and we both, uh, I don't think we saw the vision to the level that Jeff caught it, but we both saw like, this is really, really good. This is moving. Yeah, so that's that's what ended up happening. I'll get to that in just a second. But we, all of their ideas behind crowdfunding, I've said, you know, the all-time crowdfunding record is $5.7 million from projects that Once, had, right? yeah, yeah, had big fan bases already. So Mystery Science Theater 3000 does a, a crowdfund for some big thing that they're going to do. Um, the other one, I, I'm blanking on the name. Wasn't it Veronica, Veronica Mars? Veronica Mars, yeah. yeah. And the, they... Hugely popular show, huge fan base. They're going to do a movie. Let's crowdfund it. Five point seven million dollars. That's the all-time record. And I'm like, we're nothing. We have no. I'm coming off of a career failure. My last movie bombed at the box office. And they introduced me to Daryl Eves, who is now my partner, who is a brand builder and an audience builder. And we hit it off. And he watched the the, the episode, and he had a profound spiritual experience. So he was all in on it. And so we partnered together, and we launched this thing. I went to a close friend of mine who's got a lot of means, and I said, we're trying to raise, you know, I think at the time it was $200,000 because we needed to get the rights to the shepherd from the church. Right. Because they were the ones who'd put up money for it. And so they were, for them, it was a huge win because they were able to show this. Like we, So we, we paid them $100,000 for the rights to the shepherd, which meant that they now had a, a, a free... And we said, look, you'll still show it on in your Christmas Eve services, but now you didn't have to pay anything for it. Like you had, you ended up, you know, making a little profit on it, you know, for on this show. So for them, it was a great win. 
And, and then for us, $100,000 for the rights to the shepherd, which again, aren't even the rights to the show because the Bible, the, the copyright of the Bible is free. Yep. You know, so it's not like the church owned the rights to our show. We were just saying we wanted the ability to use, to that use piece the of... shepherd yep. on social media. And by doing that, we are in many ways, you know, there, there may be people who watch it on social media instead of coming to the church for that big Christmas Eve experience. So, and, 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 you know, so for a, a little project like that, $100,000 is a ton of money. I mean, people typically, when they option a, a book, it has to be massively successful to spend that kind of money. So for us, we, like, we really wanted to be honoring and respectful of the church for, for, their, for, the, for what they had built with this uh, little short film. So we did that, and then we needed money for writers for, to, to pay my co-writers and I to do some, an outline and some sketches of the first four episodes and just some general operating expenses, legal expenses, stuff like that. So yeah. my friend helped, and then a friend of Daryl's and Jeffrey's helped, and so and then Daryl put in some, and so the four of us were the... Oh, and also uh, Matthew Ferrazzi, sorry, uh, who also came in. So we were the original five co-founders of The Chosen LLC, yep. this little business that's now going to open itself up to you know, thousands of potential investors for crowdfunding and join us in this. So I'm like, I thought the idea was ludicrous. I really did. So at this point, are you thinking like, this is nuts, but what do I have to lose? It was a loaves and fishes. My job is not to feed the 5,000. My job is to provide the loaves and fish. I've prov I'm providing my loaves and fish. We, we tell a joke, we, kind of, we, we joke about it, because I, I once kind of jokingly said to Jeffrey, I said, well, you know, we'll, we'll be lucky to, to raise $800,000 for this thing. And then I kind of joked and I go, I think we'll be lucky to raise $800, you know. <laughs> so that, that story has become a little bit of myth over the years. I don't think I genuinely believe we'd only raise $800. But I, I, I really was like, what, what lends us to believe that we're just going to come out of the gate like this and generate seven figures, much less what I think we probably need, which is probably closer to a million dollars an episode. You know, that's, that, that would be ideal. So It almost seemed outlandish. Yeah. Well, of course it does. The all-time record is 5.7 million. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna break the record based on a short film I did for my church's Christmas Eve service when I'm a filmmaker that no one cares about. So we created a Facebook page, and we're going to launch the, this short film on the Facebook page. So we had all our friends and family, you know, like the page, follow the page. And then when we launch the short film, when we post it on the page... Make sure you, and Daryl, who's the social media guru, had all these you know, rules, like in the first hour, make sure you like it, but that you're not only commenting on it, you're responding to others' comments. Mm -hmm. So if someone says, this looks great, then you respond and go, yeah, I agree, you know, and like, let's, let's and, and, and share it. So you click the share button, here's how you share it, but let's do it in waves of every 15 minutes or so. And so we, we put it on our little Facebook You're page. You're trying to leverage the algorithm, right? Yeah, so at the time we had, we, we ended up starting out with about 400 followers. Mm -hmm. um, I had a little bit of a fan base from previous movies that I was able to just kind of go, you know, hey, come over here and like this page. And uh, Daryl did too. So we're just you know, a few hundred people. Pretty quickly, it, the, the algorithm kicked in. But what we saw was people were watching the whole thing, all 20 minutes. And pretty early on, we saw that when people watched the show, when, so in this case, it was just the short film. But this was a principle that ended up proving true long-term, which we'll get into. They became fanatical. I mean, their, their response was, it wasn't just, I love this, this is great. There was this, people described having a profound guttural experience and that when I came on at the end and said, we're thinking about doing a show and you can invest, they were like, I've never done this before. I don't. I don't normally do things like this. I, you know, but I have to. I have to be involved. They felt this guttural need to be involved, and so they at, the, at that stage, because we hadn't been SEC qualified yet, we, so we we were doing what's called an interest round. It's you go to our website, you fill out these forms, and you express the interest that you have that when we do open up investment. You're not actually making an investment. You're just saying, I'm interested in making so, an investment. Angel Studios now calls it a testing the waters campaign. Let's make sure we've got something here. Well, it was just immense from, from right off the bat. Was, you know, hundreds of thousands, then millions, then, I mean, the, the numbers just kept climbing. Now, of course, it was still, it wasn't real yet, but 
it was clear that something transcendent was taking place. The reaction to a 20-minute short film I did on my friend's farm was greater than the sum of its parts. It was better than I'm capable of. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I consider myself a pretty good filmmaker. I'm not that good to, to get the kind of response it was getting. And so we then launched our qualifying with the SEC, you fill out these forms. I, I resigned from my job, so now I have no job, but I'm built banking on the promise that all these people who've expressed what turned out to be $18 million worth of interest, some of them $1 million, like they would click the $1 million tab, like that's what they wanted to invest. Um, I'm thinking, well, okay, I should feel pretty confident. So I you know, resigned from my job. What did that decision feel like? Well, there were other factors going into all that. I mean, I was, I was headed in that direction anyway. Was it scary? Well, 100%. What, what made it scary was not the resignation, which I did like three months before the end of the year, but during the, those three months, I was looking for jobs, some source of income. Nothing was happening. No, I mean, it was just everything was striking out. I, you know, and I'm like, I, I, what kind of skill sets do I bring to the table? I'm a filmmaker. I was looking at other churches to work at because I'd been working at a church. I'd made movies. I mean, I, but, but nothing was making sense. And so then when I officially resigned in, on January, December 31st, and now I'm officially jobless, benefits gone. We, we ended up doing one of those Christian health share it's called Samaritan yeah. Ministries, which yeah. I will forever be grateful to. So it was scary for sure, and it got scarier by the day because the SEC to, ended up taking upwards of five months to, to qualify us. And so what we thought was, you know, once we're qualified for investment, enough money will come in, and I'll be able to get a salary as, as the director of the show. Keep food on the table. Yeah. And, and, of course, we had that little seed money that I mentioned earlier that paid for us to write some of these initial scripts, but it was intentionally low. We weren't paying ourselves exorbitant salaries. Mm-hmm. I mean, this show didn't exist yet. So we were paying ourselves as little as we could. And then, you know, I mean, at one point, so and then about two months into it, we had more health crises in my family than we'd had in the previous 20 years combined. My daughter shattered her collarbone. My other daughter had a, a, a rupture in one of her, like, I don't even remember what it was. It was like one of her... Uh, Small intestines or something like that. Spleen or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. It was, and, and then I had a, I, a, four months into it, I had a, 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 a massive a, epi, yeah, appendicitis. Appendicitis, yes. In the hospital for three days, you know. Oh, man. And so we're relying on the, you know, these medical the Samaritan ministries works. In, Hence in the sense why that, you'll forever be grateful. Yeah, yeah. You put in, you, you know, everyone puts in something each month, but then when there's a, a crisis, you know, then then you start actually literally getting checks from other people around the country. Their $500 for that month is going directly to you. But I remember early on, it was, I think it was February, where I hadn't had a job for a month. We were barely, barely getting by based on maybe a little bit of savings, based on the fact that I was getting a little as the writer. And a show, the, the, the SEC was taking forever. And there was, of course, still no promise that it's going to work once we do officially launch. And we just felt led to involve our children in the process instead of keeping them out of the painful part of just saying, if, if God's going to be faithful and is going to show up in this situation, and, and if something great ends up coming out of this, we want our kids to know where we came from. And so we told our kids, right now, dad doesn't have income coming in. And the, you know, you just had this health crisis and we, you just were in the hospital three days. Did you know that we don't actually have health insurance? We have this med- medical sharing thing. And so what's going to happen, what we believe is going to happen in the next couple of months is we're going to start getting checks from people all around the country. They're going to pay for this. And this is, this is God's people at work, you know, supporting each other. We just want you to see that in, in action. But right now it's nothing. And we don't even know if this show is going to work. And Dad is working very hard to find uh, other alternatives. And just so you know, if Dad ends up applying for a job at manager at Burger King, he's going to do that because we're going to provide. We're going right to make now, it work. But right now we don't know what the future holds. And uh, so let's pray, um, not necessarily that God's going to, you know, provide wealth or anything like that. It's, we're just going to pray that, that God's going to be faithful in this and that we're going to maintain focus on him and that our, our main priority is serving God. So sure enough, I mean, we ended up in those three or four months not ending up being a, having, paying, paying a dime in any of the literally $100,000 worth of medical expenses that we had. At one point, my partner, Daryl, God, God bless him, at one point just said, I'm going to give you some money, like for a couple months, 
like, what do you need just to, you know. To hold you over. Well, he, he wasn't even asking to hold you over. Well, what do you need? And I go, well, I just, I, just enough to hold me over. But he's like, I'm not letting you get another job. Like, you're working 18 hours a day. I mean, I was working. I was on Facebook responding to comments. I was, I was the guy. I mean, I was literally, because Darrell was busy. He, he owned multiple businesses. And then for The Chosen, he was doing audits and paperwork for the SEC and dealing with lawyers. And I was busy trying to keep the train moving with interest in the show. So I'm commenting on Facebook, responding to every comment. We ended up several months later hiring our first part-time assistant just to help with things like that. But I was up all night. So he was like, I'll just pay you out of my own pocket, you know, just to just so you're not, you know, going into debt or having to get another job. And then June, it was July or June or July when it went official. Finally, the SEC qualifies us. And now we can officially launch. And Jeffrey will admit, uh, Harmon, that based on previous experience that he'd had with a similar investment crowd fund for mm -hmm. Angel Studios, yep. that he's like, he, he really thought we're going to get the money we need in, in a week, maybe even a weekend. I mean, it's because, uh, you know, all these people that have, have committed, you know, there's no reason for them not to stick yeah, with it. There committee. was $18 million yeah. worth, of, so, worth of people who had said, I want to invest. Yes. So worst case scenario, we get half of that. That's still what we need. And, he, and, and so we launched, we sent out the email, sent out the social media thing. But this is months later, right? This because is six of that, months, six that months. SEC process. So all those people who had said, yeah, I want to invest. Yeah, we had cut off the, the, the interest round. We'd cut it off on December 31st. So then uh, that was just the interest round. So there were six months had gone past. We'd emailed them to keep them updated. And so we launched, and that weekend we did a million dollars. And it was. And, and, you know, in, in normal world, that would be amazing, crowdfunding a million dollars in a weekend for a project. But, but in terms of how much we'd spent and how much was being built and what we were needed, I mean, it was a huge disappointment. And then it, we started strategizing. And, and, and we, it, I think it's important for the, for the listeners to understand that these crowdfunding campaigns, it's not like you just turn it on and $18 million worth of interest just shows up. Right. This is a marketing campaign, right? right? There is effort behind it. There's ad buying behind it. There's investment behind yeah. it. So when you say what you had spent. Well, what, well, I will say this. For our project, the, the, the short film had such a profound effect on people. We got a little cocky. So what, when I say what we had spent at that point, that was legal fees. That was, uh, now Angel Studios did spend some money, I think it was, it was about 100 grand, maybe a little bit more than that, on kind of fueling the fire at the end, like in the last mm -hmm. month. They in terms really, of advertising. At, you know, getting the short film out there, even more, there was an endorsement that we got from a few influencers, and we, we promoted their, their videos that they did. And so some money had been spent, but again, it was money on scripts, money on lo yeah. legal fees, and Dallas Jenkins not having a job for six months. I mean, we had given quite a bit. So that first million comes in, but it's kind of stagnant and people are, and again, it's clunky to invest. It takes you five steps, you know, to do so. And then we didn't take credit cards right away. And, you know, a lot of people didn't want to use credit cards or what needed, wanted, didn't want to use their bank routing info to do it. So all of that stuff was a high barrier to entry and just made it difficult. And we're like, oh my gosh, is this going to work? And then I remember Jeffrey saying, we're going to have to spend money out of the fundraise for marketing to get more. And I'm like, no way, that wasn't part of the deal. That's not... That doesn't work. And he's like, well, what did you think? This is just going to get... Now, the answer is probably in the middle. I think Jeffrey thought we would get more than we did. I, I, didn't, think we, I, I didn't think we would have to spend money. I'm like, well, if people aren't interested, then this isn't going to work. And he's like, well, yeah, they need to be made aware. So we started taking... As, as the money was coming in, we'd take a portion of that and put it towards the marketing of the short film and, and the investment. And slowly but surely, it started to build. And we got to, when we got to the $4 million, $5 million mark, that's when we decided, let's go ahead and make the first four episodes. And that will give momentum, and people will see it's happening, and that will take this to the next level instead of waiting until we get all eight. That'll just take too long. So what's funny is we start filming, and it actually drastically slowed down investment for two reasons. One, I wasn't out there anymore kind of we we, we we make the we make we call it dancing for nickels. Dallas getting on 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 TV and you know on, on live streams and it, it cl very clearly early on proved. And I'm not saying this with any arrogance. It's just 
it just became objectively true, um, that Daryl's thesis was correct. Daryl had said this needs to be an influencer model, meaning you're, 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 you're the show. Now, of course, Jesus is the show, and we're not saying that anything different than that, but Dallas as the, you know, you, you need to be telling your story. You need, people need to trust you. They need to know you. They need to see the inside, behind the scenes of how this is happen, coming together. And whenever I shared my heart in these live streams, whenever I did videos, it, it, it or sent emails directly from myself, not in a marketing way, but in a, here's what I'm passionate about. Here's what we're doing. Here's the story of how this is going. Here's some inside baseball on it. People got really... And, and I, I think it's important that we don't just glaze over that, yeah. that, that because that's actually an innovation in and of itself. Right. Right. If you look at traditional Hollywood and, you know, choose your filmmaker, Christopher Nolan or, or whoever, they go build a film, they're behind the curtain working for months or years on that film, and there's no audience interaction until it's time to start marketing it. Well, and even then, I mean, how many directors do you think, if they walked on the street, would be recognized by a third of the population? I mean, Very you few. could probably count on one hand, if that, maybe Steven Spielberg, but like, I could, t I could tell you people who love his movies who still wouldn't know what he looked That's like. That's right. It's very rare for the director to be the one out front. And They're behind the camera, not yeah, in front yeah, of it. Yeah, and I was, I was out front on, as I became an, inf I became, I wasn't influencing necessarily yet, hopefully I was, but I, I was, I was the face of the operation out there constantly with videos and and vlogs and live streams. So I stopped doing that for the most part when I started making the show, and that slowed things down. The other thing was I think subconsciously people were like, oh, they made they're it. making it, mission accomplished. And so we saw a, a just dramatically decreasing investment happening. So it was at five million and then it creeps up over five. And I remember when it did finally break the crowdfunding record, that was a huge deal. We made a big deal out of that, and that kind of gave it a little bit more juice. Mm -hmm. and, and we put out a video, too, of, of Jeffrey and Neil and Daryl and I sharing the kind of the origin story. We put that video out on social media, and it was emotional, and people were intrigued by that. That helped, and, but we were doing things like that to try to generate more income and passion for the show. And then December came, and we decided to put on a deadline. Let's say that we're going to make season one for whatever we get, and this is what we need, but if, if, if we don't get eight million, which is what we need for production, then we're gonna tell people we're just gonna use, we're not gonna do the next four episodes, we're gonna just use that money for marketing. And, but people really wanted episodes, and so we did, I did, an, I did a series of, uh, I wouldn't call it a series, I did two eight-hour live streams where I sat in my office and talked for eight hours. Uh, we would show video clips every now and then, but. We uh, did. I did an eight-hour live stream, and then another one two days later. And I remember we we raised in the last couple of weeks we raised about four million dollars, and in the last two days it was it was like eight hundred thousand dollars the first day, and then another like nine hundred or a million the next day. It's amazing and, and how one, FOMO kind of kicks in at oh, the yeah, end. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, the deadline had a huge difference. The, the live stream was fun. We did you know just and I think people got caught up in the excitement of. You know, and I'm, I'm calling out, you know, Benton just invested $1,000 and, you know, whatever it was. And people got excited about that. We had actors come on the show and just made it a fun thing. And I remember when we hit that $10 million mark, I mean, it was emotional. I mean, it was, it was kind of a, it was a, what the H just happened? Like, and I brought Daryl on at the end of the live stream. He was just crying and my wife and I are crying and just going, <laughs> do, do you, we, we, six months ago, I didn't have a job. Like... Eight months ago, we were, you know, desperately grabbing on to each check that came into the mail for to pay back our our medical debt, and here we are now. We have all the money we need for the first season of a show, you know, a million dollars an episode. It's just it it just blew our minds. We'd only had to spend about ten percent of that, and probably more like eight percent of that, on marketing, um, a smaller amount on on legal and logistical fees and of course Angel gets their cut for building the website and doing all the logistics and all that but we we had our eight million dollars for production it was extraordinary I appreciate this look behind the the curtain because so often when the story gets told that you know hey the chosen raised 11 million dollars or just shy of 11 million dollars to make season one it's kind of glossed over like it was you know snap your fingers in it and it happened but I was fortunate enough to kind of have a behind the scenes yeah 
you know, seat throughout it all, you know, one, because we got to jump in and help you guys with the ad buying side of, of that fundraise. Yeah, we engaged the Harmon Brothers Agency for a couple months to, to, to add Yeah, to get some to, help with that, yeah. right? And, and then also, you know, my connection to Jeff and Neil over at, at, at Angel Studios kind of gave me a look behind the scenes of, of what they were doing. And so not only were you and Daryl, you know, grinding for months and months to make that a reality, the same thing was happening over at Angel Studios. And I got a peek into that of just how much work and effort was going into doing things that had just never been done before. So it wasn't like there was a recipe that anyone could follow. It was everything was trial and error and let's let's figure this out. Okay, so let, let, let's let's jump ahead a little bit now. So that was a that was an inflection point where the money got raised for season one. Then you were able to go out and make the the next four episodes. So season one has eight episodes. Yeah, so the first four episodes were released around Easter of 2019. And then the next, and then, and then we started filming the next four. And, and so episodes five through eight came out in the latter part of 2019. Okay. Talk to me about how now, so we talked about the obscurity that, that you went through and the grind that it took to, to build out of that. Talk to me what it looks like as you get this show out into the wild and, and what it's like trying to build momentum on a brand new show. So the, the, the struggle is how do you monetize this? I mean, so we spent $8 million. Because it has to be a business to sustain well, course, itself, right? Well, of course, yeah. So how do we monetize this so that investors get, long-term investors get paid back, that we get enough to, to, to make future seasons? And, um, you know, obviously we want to keep this going for a while. And at the time, VidAngel was the streaming platform on which the show was placed. And so in order to watch the show, um, we, you know, the initial plan was you have to get a subscription to VidAngel. Which well, VidAngel is the predecessor to what is now Angel, Angel Studios. Studios. Yeah, and they were primarily known for their, for their uh, filtering. And so this was their first, other than Dry Bar Comedy, which was a stand-up comedy series, primarily had gotten made its bones on YouTube and Facebook, but was, was their kind of signature original piece of content. So this was their first major piece of content, original. And the, the idea was people will be so eager to watch the show, they'll so subscribe to Angel Studio, VidAngel at the time, and and uh, and they'll subscribe to it, and that'll be similar to how shows like House of Cards caused people to want to subscribe to Netflix or Game of Thrones to HBO. Well, it's hard to convince people, well, especially when you don't have a big marketing budget, to go get a subscription to a new platform and to, for them to hear about it. So the show's an unknown, and the platform is an unknown, yeah. which makes it so the platform had a little bit of little bit of buy-in, and the people who had subscribed already were were were, were, were loved it. Um, and but there were there were a lot of people, the, the kind of people who are going to be the early adopters of a Jesus show, are going to be older because most people have a really negative reaction towards Christian content, really negative reaction towards Bible shows or movies. The older generation. A little bit more, you know, message oriented, less focused on quality. Uh, so they have fewer barriers of entry in their minds and hearts. And most of our investors were all, I mean, I would say over 90% of our investors were older. So they're going to watch the show first, of course, but they're, they don't understand the app. They're struggling with it. It's, and, and so we put it on a website. And the plan was okay, on the website, the first episode is free, and then you pay $29.99 to unlock the, 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 the other episodes. Well, twenty nine nine is a lot of money for a show. You know, I mean, you, you're not paying that much for four episodes on Amazon or iTunes or anything like that. So it was just too expensive for people. It was too clunky for people. It wasn't, it didn't fit into their usual pattern of watching. And so then we realized people were like wanting DVDs because that's just easier. And so we thought, well, let's, let's put it on DVD and sell DVDs. And uh, then that took time, and we're not a DVD, I mean, Angels, VidAngel at the time wasn't a DVD distribution company, so they're kind of making that up as they go along, and that was clunky. But we finally get DVDs out. So everything was moving snail's pace, and the money was minuscule early on, and with no real promise that things were going to get easier, other than when people watched it, 
they were not only fans of it, they were fanatical. I mean, they were obsessive about telling people. And the social media was was growing. And, and so they were going out on social media, they were following our page, our page was growing, our YouTube videos were starting to do well. So there was this piece of... This growing group of super fans. Yeah, when they watch it, they are white hot. Like, and there's a difference between loving something and being obsessed about it. And they were obsessed. And so that was the, the main promising piece of it was that, that when people watch it, they get obsessed. And it was one of the reasons why we gave them episode one for free, because the ending of episode one was so powerful for people. But again, episode one, kind of a slow burn. It's a traditional pilot episode of a show as opposed to a Bible pilot where you're just showing everything from the Bible and everyone recognizes it. So it took people time to figure that out. So, and plus, even if you love it, if you can't figure out how to watch the rest of the episodes, if you don't want to watch them on your computer or website, whatever, it just became difficult. So it was a slow crawl and we're trying different ideas and, and uh, but it was, you know, that first eight months or so, well, I guess Easter was when it started. And then the second uh, half of the season came in around Christmas. That certainly gave it a boost, but it was slow going until the idea came to do an app, a chosen app. And Angel had this, developed this technology where you could cast it to your TV from your phone. Mm -hmm. And you didn't need a subscription to Roku, you didn't need a subscription to Apple TV, you didn't need a subscription to Amazon. It would directly connect to those platforms and you could watch it. And so the app started to help a little bit. Still clunky though, I mean, they're building, yeah, building a brand yeah. new phone app. Yep. You know? It's so beta it's, software, yeah, they're so building it. So it's clunky. And of course that doesn't help our older crowd, that makes it even worse. So they still have it on the website, they're still getting DVDs, but we're noticing we're selling DVDs at a pretty crazy rate considering the DVDs are almost dead. So that was clunky still. And then Harmons came up with this idea called Pay It Forward, which is, okay, so we'll make the show free for a few more episodes, because that's when people really get excited about it. And to watch all eight episodes, you can pay it forward, which will then unlock streams for other people. So much like how Twitch used, you know, works, I don't know how, how it works today, but there, you know, we can't give the show away for free because streaming costs money. Every time someone streams an episode, it costs money. It's you know, a little bit here, more in certain countries than others, but people all over the world are wanting to watch this. Once we launched the app, it, every country in the world, people were downloading it because they had heard about the show. So the, the, the problem was because no one in other countries was paying it forward, whether it was because of poverty or because you couldn't, the, the app wasn't in their language or you couldn't, you couldn't pay it forward in pesos or yen or whatever, it, it's still a very American thing. So what we, would, what we did was while you're watching what, when you pay it forward, it tells you how many people can now watch it for free. But it would also, on the, on the app, would tell you how many people were waiting for a free stream. So let's say you're in another country. You watch episode one. You watch episode two. You get to episode three, and they go, someone needs to pay it forward for you to be able to watch this. Or if you want, you can pay it forward yourself. Well, most people couldn't pay it forward, so they're just waiting. And that counter of people waiting went so high that people who were trying, we were hoping to induce them to pay it forward, but it was, the, the number was so high, it was almost... Overwhelming. They felt like they couldn't make a dent. So there was this psychological distance. So everything about the process is clunky in some way. Even though the app was improving in its quality, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that that um, the process itself uh, was flawed. Even though there were f some flaws inherent to it, but the, just that there was nothing really easy about getting people to watch it. There was an inherent hurdle in that most people think Christian entertainment is bad. The people who love Christian entertainment are worried that it's going that a show about Jesus is going to be blasphemous or, or Hollywoodized. People don't have time. People don't have certainly don't have time to get a new app. They don't want to pay. They, you know, so there were so many barriers of entry that, like I said earlier, so much of the audience was reluctant. But we had the people who saw it. The super fans were like going, "You have to." Sit, I'm going to sit you down and watch this. And, and I remember there were certain little touch points where like one guy convinced his, 
dad who was a pastor of a mega church in Michigan. Like he forced him to watch it. And then the guy gave his sermon online where he said, I didn't want to watch it. Here was my resistance to it. Here's why. And people are going, yeah, me too, me too. And he goes, and then I watched it and I was undone. And I need you to watch it. And so things like that kept happening. But it still wasn't easy. I, I think for all the entrepreneurs who are hearing this, they're all just going to be shaking their heads like this. Like, yeah, that's, like, that's what startup life is, is just this grind of just friction, friction, experiment, experiment before you ever find these breakthroughs. For the non-entrepreneurs who are hearing this, this might be kind of an aha of like, oh wait, the chosen just didn't come out of the gate and explode? Well, and for me, I'm a non, I was a non-entrepreneur. And the friction that happened a lot of times between myself and particularly Jeffrey Harmon, partially because we're, we're very similar in our obsessions and our perfectionism and our you know vision and whatnot, creativity. Th th these kinds of things didn't phase him. He was like, yeah, we're figuring this out as we go. And I'm like, well, the show itself wasn't that way. Like I, I, I that was you that planned was the thing. it and you made it. The product that we were selling wasn't a guinea pig product, other than the fact that it was a Jesus show. There'd never been a Jesus show before. But I mean, my cast and crew weren't trying some new things for the first time and trying a new camera and seeing if it worked. I mean, so I was kind of like the, the the show piece is. I, I almost kind of expected felt chaotic. I'm like, I'm bringing the show. You guys are bringing this. But the show wasn't the first time I'd ever done this, but the app was the first time that they'd ever done it. And so there was this, like the show was ready, the app wasn't. And then the app got ready, and but the show was done and the first season was already out. So people were like, what's next? So it was just constant. Nothing about it was easy. And so it's not easy to convince people to watch it because they have inherent biases against the content. And it's not easy to get people to watch it because they don't want to get a new app. They don't want to pay them for it, whatever it is. To Angel Studios' credit, the number of iterations that they did in terms of testing on that app, it was pretty amazing. I've seen very few software teams who can iterate right. that quickly. Angel's very scrappy. I mean, they're very, like, they're, they're like, you know, in their little lab, makeshift lab, just grinding it out and pounding nails and duct tape and string. And But I, I'm sure that from your perspective, a lot of that was a, it was a bumpy ride because so much of those experiments one, they don't work, or two, they're you know filled with bugs and yeah, all so, sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. So when you go, okay, I've made my I've made my gift, and I'm now ready to present it to the world, but it and then it, and, and then it falls off the the, the counter mm -hmm. and, and breaks the first time it's released or whatever. You just go, oh gosh, this is this is painful. So so many barriers of entry, and the show was um, crawling along. Uh, bad news was it was going slow. Good news was. It was clear something was happening. It was clear, it was clear that we just needed to get people to watch it. And so then I came to Jeffrey and I said, "What if we made the show for a few weeks?" That, well, then the, the 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 pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So now people are home. People are losing their jobs. Everyone's in crisis. People have time now to watch the show. And I go, "What if just as a goodwill gesture, we make the show totally free for like three weeks?" Just totally free, all eight episodes, every country in the world. And that became kind of a slogan, like, you know, all eight episodes, every country in the world, totally free, you know. And we'll do it for a few weeks and we'll lose money because, you know, it's streaming costs money. But let's just do that. And I said, what if we launched it on YouTube? So one night a week, or so eight, over the course of eight nights, we'll show each one episode a night. And before and after each episode, I'll just tell people, this is free. It's going to be free all week. It's on YouTube. YouTube's easy for you, for those of you who struggle with the app. But each night, I'm going to show them how to work the app. I'm going to let them know that if they download the app now, they don't have to wait the rest of the week to watch the other episodes. They can watch all eight episodes on the app. The app's easier than you think. And, you know, here's how you do it. And it casts your TV and yada, yada, yada. And I also said, look, the reason we're doing this is because a lot of you can't afford to watch the show for free. But just so you know, it does cost money. And so if you do have the means to pay it forward, please do, because that's going to be what allows us to do future episodes and seasons. And so we were hopeful that they would be able to pay it forward enough to at least just cover the cost of the streams, you know. So the first night we launch on YouTube, and that, I, the reason I mentioned that Jeffrey and I talked about it, because it's, it's such to Angel's credit that they were willing to put the show on another platform you know, because it's in many ways you can consider it a competitor. But um, I think we were all just like 
whatever it takes, and this will be a goodwill gesture anyway. And that first night, our income quadrupled. And the next night, it quintupled. And it was like the, 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 it, that was the first tipping point. There's been others that have come that have accelerated, but that was the people saw it easily, and they didn't have to pay a thing. They didn't even have to sign up. We told them you don't even have to give your email address. Just you get to watch it. And they were having the same experience they had when they watched the short film where they just felt the need to, to contribute in some way. And um, so we told them, too, it's like, we're not a nonprofit. Right? This isn't a donation. It's just you're just paying. You're just choosing to pay. But if you can't pay for it, don't. I don't want you to. Enjoy the free show. And it exploded. That's when it really took off. And the app downloads started going crazy. And we ended up in the top, at one point, we we're in the top 10. At one point, we were in the top five. That was when season two launched. But in all entertainment apps in the world, we actually were above Disney Plus at one point for apps. So people downloading the app at a, at a crazy rate, talking about the show. The fact that we were giving it away was buzzworthy. Mm -hmm. And I remember I came home to my wife, who was freaked out at the notion of giving the show away for free. Because we had been defending people. We were already getting criticism from people who were like, it's a Jesus show and you're charging people money. And we're like, we have a business to run. I have to feed my family. Like, we have to somehow pay our investors back. I remember when I told her about this free option and she was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I remember when I told her that first night what was happening. And she said, she felt like God, like a thunderbolt, just as clear as day, just said to her, the gospel is free. And it's. <laughs> I remember we knew in that moment that the show's going to be free forever. And Jeffrey and Neil were on board. I mean, we all just, it all just, we all just got it. Man, I got it first. I think probably night four is when the rest of us were like, this is, this is going to work. But the notion of the gospel is free, so the show is going to be free, and we will give people the op option to pay for it if they want. And again, it fits into that whole loaves and fishes thing of, Okay, we're, it's not our job to try to feed the 5,000 and try to finance the show ourselves. Like, we're just going to trust. And if the show should continue, then it will because people will be compelled to do it. And so it was maybe a week into it, we decided, I think we announced, you know what? You are, you know, we, I talked directly to the viewer, and that's a huge thing. This is off topic, but whenever I do live streams or do videos, I talk to one person. I'm not, I don't talk to, hey guys, talk, I'm talking to one person. And I just said, you, your passion and investment in this show and you're paying it forward even when you don't get anything in return for it is what has allowed people all over the world to watch it. And I would read letters from people that were so changed by the show. And because of that, we're going to keep it free forever. The Chosen will always be free. There will be other options to pay for it on other platforms or whatever, but there will always be an option to watch the show free. And uh, we've never looked back and the uh, it's not it's not secret that you know we've since generated tens of millions of dollars our apparel that was another thing on the live streams i would i would say look there's another way you could purchase the shirts or a bible study or devotional book and we made a decision to always make sure that all of our products that we offered were legitimately meaningful and not mm -hmm. just a promotional item but this is going to cause a conversation or this is going to bless you in, spiritually from reading it or whatever it was and I think just we never, the fundraising mechanism of encouraging people to pay it forward or to purchase our gifts, I think with few exceptions, people believe and it's true that it comes from an authentic place of we want to give you something great and we want to impact your life. And if you want to keep it going, here's how you do it. Yep. But we're not going to beg you. It can't you. be a reality without you. And it's not going to be markety. I'm not going to, we're not going to be, I'm just going to tell you the truth and leave it in God's hands. And that has been significant. And since then, the show's only grown at an exponential rate. In entrepreneur speak, there's, you know, there's this term that Paul Alstrom coined, nail it, then scale it. And in the early days of getting a business off the ground, the nail it phase is a painful process of figuring it out and experimenting and testing and trying and everything. And then eventually you break through and you figure it out. You have the recipe and then you go into scale it mode. And oftentimes entrepreneurs don't get a clear moment to know when that transition is. Yeah. It, sometimes it's a little bit more gray, I guess, yeah. and the transition is more more foggy, but in the case of The Chosen, there was that 
breakthrough of give the show away for free and ask the yeah. viewers to pay it forward. Yeah. And that was the, yeah. the inflection point where you guys went into scale-up mode. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things that also was clunky about the nail-it-scale-it principle was some of the scale was happening without our, before, before we'd nailed it, without our attempts. I mean, meaning some, some things were building so much and other countries were discovering it and, and demanding more. And legs of its own. And with, that we couldn't keep up with. And then you, you've also got, and I, I think they would admit this, I think Jeffrey and Neil are, they, they love new ideas, new things. As soon as we discovered, okay, the app, like at first they were trying to nail the VidAngel side of the things. And then DVDs come along, well, we're gonna to try to nail that. It, it took us time to even figure out what needed to be nailed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. you know, and I think, by the, I, think it, I think Jeffrey Neal would acknowledge it took them time to realize, okay, this thing isn't gonna be the thing that, that the show is gonna be launched on. And, and then try again, you know, this thing isn't it either. And so you, you, you end up unintentionally wasting a lot of time trying to nail what, the wrong thing. And that's it's no one's fault, you just, you're, took time to, yep. to figure out. And then, but the good news about Jeffrey and Neil is, is they are quick to, to come up with that thing. And the idea of the pay it forward was that first step in towards the free element that unlocked it and you know, it, it, the, the, the rest is history. I know we're out of time, Dallas. I've enjoyed the heck out of this conversation. I feel like I ended up telling that story, it became a a speech. I didn't mean for it to. I didn't mean to talk so much, but you kind of set me up. You're like, "Oh, just tell the story of obscurity." I'm like, "Well, that's a that's about an eight month story." So no, I, I think I think there's going to be a lot of people who enjoy this look behind the curtains because a lot of times from the outside looking in, when you see a success, it feels like an overnight success. But the reality is, there was a lot of hustle and a lot of grind that went on for a long time to make it. Yes, that overnight success. Yeah, for me, right? for me, it took twenty years. For the Harmons, maybe a little less or a little younger than I am, but not even just in the last four years, but leading up to what what got them to the place where they were ready to to, to pursue a show like this. I mean, there was ups and downs in that process too. So yeah, yeah, it took twenty years to become an overnight success. That's right. Okay, let's wrap up. Uh, one final question: What piece of advice do you have going into twenty twenty two for our listeners? Well, I've already said it, and I it, it might be it might feel like a cliche at this point because I've said it so many times, but I I have to remind myself of it. Is that whole? It's not your job to feed the five thousand; it's only to provide the loaves and fish. Whether you are a believer in God or not, whether you are doing a project or something that is spiritual by nature, that concept I think applies universally. I I for over forty years of my life was someone who was pretty good at solving problems and coming up with solutions and 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 then when when a result didn't come i i would analyze why and i was i'm good at anal analysis and when i got to that place where i truly surrendered and, and and really focused solely on making sure i was doing the best five loaves and two fish that i can and giving it to god and then and then being comfortable with the transaction being over it is a life changer, and if you truly embrace it, if you truly make it real, and it takes practice, it takes, it takes changing some of your habits, even some of your emotional habits, it becomes a superpower. And so in 2022, I'm gonna hopefully continue that practice from my work, but also spiritually, and then also when it comes to audience reaction. I mean, so many people base their emotional stability on how many likes or dislikes they get, the comments they get on YouTube or Facebook, or Amazon reviews or whatever. And every single day, multiple people, dozens and dozens of people every day, either post a video or a comment publicly about me that is hateful or about how dangerous I am or how the show is blasphemous or how the show is gonna bring people away or Dallas is a false prophet or a fraud. And I genuinely don't care. It genuinely doesn't bother me. I find it funny we actually post one of those comments a week and just have fun with it. But just as important is that I'm not motivated by the, the people who will tell me that I'm the greatest thing ever and that the show will change their life and that if they met Dallas Jenkins, they'd, their life would be complete. You know, that's, I, I, when I'm sitting down in front of the blank page, the blank page for season three doesn't give a rip how season two did. It doesn't give a rip about 
the comments I'm getting on YouTube. I cannot write or direct thinking about avoiding criticism or seeking the praise. And if you get to that place where you truly don't care, as long as the content that you are creating or the product that you are creating is great and what you set out to do and what you believe God wanted you to do or whatever it is, whether you're a believer or not, if you can get to that place where you do not get motivated by avoiding dislikes or seeking likes, it's life-altering. Bring your loaves and fishes and then surrender it. Yep. And everyone on this project, from the actors to the crew to my partners and everything, have a similar story of the Chosen came along at the moment when they finally totally were broken and surrendered. Actors, so many of our actors were like, I, I was giving up on the business, I was quitting the business, and then the script for The Chosen came along and my life was changed. And I, I do believe God, I do believe it's not a coincidence, I believe God is doing something in the lives of the people, the people who are making the show and also in the people who are watching it. But yeah, I awesome. just, I, I'm pounding that nail constantly with people. It's not your job to feed the 5,000. Just provide the best loaves and fish. Thank you, Dallas. Thank Appreciate you for being on me. the show. Yeah. All right, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you on the next one. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full. The same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, and most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to HarmanBrothersUniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.